Hey, what is going on, guys? It is Filmcast episode number 28. 28. I almost forgot. <laughs> Welcome on in. I am Isaiah Bryant. With me, as always, it is Alex Green. And uh, hey, what's happening? What's going on? Uh, we were just checking the stats, and people have really been checking out the show lately. Getting some, getting good little bumps. And Moving some on. Average up. plays. Mm-hmm. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, Filmcast is a weekly film podcast. We talk about older movies you've probably seen, probably haven't seen, and newer ones that just came out, kind of everything that comes our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week in specific, uh, last week we talked about the streaming wars, uh, Disney Plus, uh, Netflix, reinvention, Apple, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, adjacent to Disney Plus, I guess, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, otherwise known as uh, A New Hope. Yes. Episode four, but originally Star Wars, yeah, nineteen seventy-seven, mm-hmm. uh, when they only thought they were going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, George thought it was going to be a complete disaster. Yeah, made by this, made by this little cat with a beard, George Lucas. Um, just a young tyke out of California, film school. Uh, he made a movie called THX eleven thirty eight. Yep. You guys haven't seen that? Pretty pretty far out movie. Yeah, pretty far out. Kind of like testing the ideas, mm-hmm. kind of. He also made a movie with Harrison Ford called American Graffiti. Yeah. Um, recommend it if you like. Um, it's kind of like a grounded version of like a like a Porky's. Mm-hmm. Kind of like those those early teen comedies. Yeah. But it's more serious. It has like a little more theme to it. Um, a talented little filmmaker, George Lucas. Yeah. Um Coming off of growing up during serials on TV, mm. uh, George, you know, uh, not George of the Jungle. What's the other one? Tarzan. Yeah, serials uh, of Tarzan. He loved uh, race car movies. He loved World War Two dogfights. Yeah, um, and also being greatly influenced by the Vietnam War, which mm-hmm. was going on before and during the making of this. Well, kind of during the aftermath of mm-hmm. during the making. But anyways, Star Wars. Uh, we're also going to talk about some industry news. I read a lot of interesting stories. Variety's been kicking them out lately, man. Yeah, I know. I guess there's just a lot of movie news. I mean, it is festival season coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Toronto just happened and AFI, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that as well. But, man, when was the first time you saw Star Wars or Episode 4, A New Hope. Naturally, we'll start with Episode 4. But uh, yeah. I was, I think... Like, oh, wait, one more thing. I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt go ahead, you. Yeah, go ahead. We are officially, as of the time we're recording this at least, one month out from Star Wars Episode 9. The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, which is the last of this... The, the numeral chapters. The, the last of the numeral chapters, the last of the sequel trilogy. So kind of the closing of the loop mm-hmm. that started with Star Wars. Yeah. So... Now that I've properly contested it all, <laughs> when did you first see Star Wars, man? I was a little kid. Um, I was like three or four, maybe. Wow, really? Maybe four, I think. And my mom, uh, I just got out of the bath. I was, you know, drying my hair and everything. My mom was like, "Hey, I went to Blockbuster before this," and I was, and you know, and I was uh, like, yeah, good old Blockbuster. Yeah, and she goes, "I got a movie called, called Star Wars," and then you know, she, um, I got put in the VH, you know, in the VCR, and I popped that bad boy in. The thing is, though, she told me, like, the way she described it, she said it was about a golden robot. 
and his little robot friends oh. and all that. So <laughs> she didn't know nothing about it. She just knew little boys like lasers and explosions. And stuff. Yeah, of course. And uh, so that movie, and then you watch it, you're like, this movie the, has nothing to do with this damn robot. Well, no, he uh, C3PO became my favorite because he's literally the first character you see, that and he's true. made a goal. He's a golden robot. He's so noticeable. Yeah, and it's just I thought he was like the coolest character for the longest. Like screw Luke, screw. <laughs> I loved three PO when I was a kid. But oh, Anthony Daniel would be so happy to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, yeah I was a little kid Blockbuster came through it was a different time back then Blockbuster used to come through in the clutch on a Friday night man oh my god running seeing kids from school with their parents I'd run, bump into kids from school all the time like, on a Friday days. or Saturday night go to the, the whole new, neighborhood was there go to the bro. new movies new release section yeah and uh, full disclosure my dad worked at Blockbuster back in the day so that shit was straight cash we had everything <laughs> but um, it Dang, I'm trying to think now, because I asked the question, but I don't think I can remember the first time I saw Star Wars. Yeah. I remember being aware of Star Wars, like, always. It's yeah. always been there. That's like how I am with Batman. I yeah. don't know my first introduction to Batman, but... It was 1932. A <laughs> young man named Dick Nunkin. Um uh, Yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw a Star Wars movie was episode one. Mm-hmm. Um which, say what you want, haters. So you saw the prequel before you saw... Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah. Before you saw the original I trilogy? saw episode one before I saw any Star Wars Oh, wow, movie. that's cool. Um, but then I, I was properly introduced. Remember the uh, I remember the VHS box set? Yep, I had... Of all yeah. three, the gold and black one. Which was the... It was the re-release with the... That was the first re-release with the special edition mm-hmm. um, with the CGI added in in 1996 I want to say oh nice. yeah, yeah um, I think so well I mean I think because I had the uncut versions did I you had, on VHS yeah um, really they were black and one cover the first one has Vader on the cover yeah the sec- uh, Return of the Jedi had Yoda on the cover it was like their faces um, on the cover and, and yeah that's the one before each movie Came with George Lucas, um, an interview with George Lucas. It came out in 1997. Okay. And it's going for $1,700 on eBay. Jesus. The gold one, the uh-huh. golden black one. But that's the one that I originally, but anyways, sorry, we're going <laughs> off on a tangent. But that is, uh, yeah, I originally saw episode one first, because uh, I uh, was when and saw that in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the first time I sat down and watched Star Wars, I was by myself, and I... I almost didn't understand it at the time. I was probably maybe 11 mm-hmm. because I was trying to piece it with what I knew of episode one. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the, uh, you know, a prequel and all that other stuff. Yeah. I, I was just like, okay, this, where's, yeah. a, where's Anakin Skywalker? Yeah. <laughs> Not knowing. And then they mentioned him in the beginning and I'm like, oh, Anakin Skywalker. But um, going back, ah, that's the regular colored one. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Interesting. Yeah, that's the one I grew up on. I still got it. But, yeah, but not to interrupt. Sorry. I think my I think my boy Matt still has the black and gold one. I gotta let him know it's seventeen hundred dollars. But um, the first time I remember seeing it, I fell in love immediately with Obi Wan Kenobi and yeah. Darth Vader. Oh, for, yeah. so that their whole interaction, that entire movie, was what sold it for me. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I've I've been hooked on Star Wars ever since. Nice, that's awesome. Um, but. What did you think of the story the first time? Because, I mean, it's basically a hero's journey. It's, you know, a young boy from the desert 
Yeah. Just uh, gets called up to the major leagues, more or less. It wasn't hard to, I mean, like like with you, I was confused with the prequels. Like, I didn't understand why Obi-Wan was young. I didn't understand that it was a prequel. I thought it was like some weird reboot or something. Mm-hmm. I was just a dumb kid. I, but I loved it. But um, with the original movie, it was um, just straightforward. Kid wants to leave. You know, the thing holding him back is dead. And yeah. He's, he <laughs> wants to leave and then he's forced to leave. Yeah. And yeah, shit. It's just a cool story of um, a kid that we can all relate to in certain ways. Um, mm. Just being thrust into an adventure. And it's awesome. He, uh, just, he, meets, he meets a little robot. and mm. Makes friends it. along the way and blows up a space station. It's awesome. <laughs> Say, <laughs> he defeats an evil empire mm-hmm. and confronts his father unknowingly. Yeah. Which even for George, even too. even in the first one, not you know not knowing that that's his father, mm-hmm. it still is just like such a fulfilling story because everything in, and it's kind of it's one of those moments in movies where it's just like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Like there's never going to be anything like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Just like you know the Graduate or whatever the hell you yeah. talk about. It. Like it's it's one of those moments where like everything went exactly right yeah like, they used a blue screen instead of a green screen and that's the only way they got the lightsabers to show up mm-hmm. it's just like okay that's that's such a random thing but it cost them two million dollars and they did it yeah and it was like the last money that george lucas had he was hurt in making that movie man he came in and originally george lucas wanted to make the uh flash gordon movie mm-hmm. uh flash gordon the old tv show yeah in the seventies, if you guys know, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a great Much. show, um, <laughs> but it's a good show if you like if you like camp yeah. and cheese. <laughs> I mean, you know. But he wanted to make a film version of that and was unable to get the rights. Um, mm. He had been toying around with ideas like that, like we said with THX. But instead, he was like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and write um, something original." <laughs> And I'm gonna make an original project. And he went and wrote. Well, now this is up for debate. Originally, George said he wrote all three movies at once. I don't believe him. That's what. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah exactly. George said he wrote episode four, five, and six all at once, and he meant for them to be four, five, and six the entire time because he was going to go back. And do the other three movies. I'm sure he's always had the intention. But to say that he wrote them all, I don't believe it. But I'm sure he's always had the on intention his, of maybe making more. He wrote them all on his little yellow legal pad. Uh-huh. Which is how he writes movies. <laughs> hey, no no shame. Yeah, yeah. Do but, what you gotta do. Um, so originally George Lucas said he wrote three movies. But the man wrote one movie. He didn't think that he was going to get... You know, another shot at this, and he also didn't write the movie, so you know, let's let's relax just a little bit, guys, on the George love. I love George Lucas. George is the artist. He's the only one yeah. that has the film prints, and he refuses to release them. But I, he could just, why don't you just say you refuse to release them instead of making up some bullshit lie saying, you know, oh, it's impossible or too worn out and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you think I'm a dummy, don't you? Yeah. You think I'm stupid. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I'm not, don't fool with me, George. Yeah. <laughs> so, George, writer-director, comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, I got this idea for Star Wars. And it's going to be this 
epic about a man, a boy really, mm-hmm. racing through the stars, fighting a dark samurai, <laughs> and just, you know, fighting with laser swords. Yeah. Gary Kurtz is like, all right, all right, this guy, we got to sell this to Fox somehow. <laughs> um, but in the making of it, uh, George kind of finds his niche with the characters that he casts. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he casts for Luke Skywalker, the infamous Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Not infamous, famous, let's say. Yeah. The infamous Carrie Fisher, though. Yeah. For Princess Leia. And a distinguished carpenter with a handsome jawline named Harrison Ford. Workplace right time. Strong name. Strong man. Mm-hmm. Um, but in casting these guys, he he secretly casted probably the best, I'd say top five cast of all time in a movie. Yeah. Like, everybody plays their part so specifically and so well. And their charisma. Or, or not that, but they're, um, including Peter Mayhew, too. Let's yeah, and Alec Guinness. Just, and Alec Guinness. Uh, just, um, uh, Sir you could, Alec Guinness. You could tell that, like, they get, like, they're, they feel, they're good with each other. There's like, actual camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually liked each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, like, like. Uh, Carrie Fisher said it's about family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in that first movie, they're all just young young actors in the 70s. Well, Harrison yeah. Ford is kind of a middle-aged actor. In Taking the 70s. a weird project that nobody thought was... Yeah, so they barely get paid for this. Um, I remember the original budget for this wasn't too high, $11 million, mm. to make Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and even back then in the 70s, $11 million was an outrageous sum of money for uh-huh. a movie. I mean, people were spending like I, I'm I'm trying to think. Eleven million. They weren't even doing cowboy movies for eleven million anymore. Yeah, no. You just uh, go to an old town yeah. and film there. It's it, so it's it's interesting that they even got that much money. Mm-hmm. But I think what the rumor was like Mark Hamill was like five hundred thousand dollars he got or something like that. Yeah. Um, but in going through the script, Carrie Fisher and Han, and Harrison Ford, not Han, <laughs> uh, specifically doctored a good percentage of the script. Uh, the rumor is they doctored a third of the script on just, you know, changing dialogue, reshaping scenes to make them actually fit. Harrison, a dude with absolutely zero clout in the industry, zero, yeah. would just yell at George. Like, they, like, people don't talk like this, man. Like, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. But, I, and I, think I like that, that, though. He's one of the only people that was really like a shepherd of that, where mm-hmm. it's just like, dude, he, let's reel it in. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's one of those things that George has always had, more or less, mm-hmm. but they're to to different degrees effective yeah. <laughs> I'll say um, looking at you episode 2 <laughs> always looking at you yeah but attack of the clones so, but in doing so um, Carrie Fisher became a noted script doctor after Star Wars yeah but they also made their characters so believable that you, you really do buy like a real friendship between mm-hmm. all three of them um well, Luke, you know, Harrison and uh Harrison Carrie were pretty close. Hey, well, you do have to. It reflected on the camera, though. It shows on. Yeah, and and I mean, to be fair, those characters also ended up being together. So yeah, works. I mean, worked out. We do have to mention Harrison Ford was married at the time. (laughs) But anyways, on to Mark Hamill, who is a great young star, not yet to be in a near fatal car accident, Mm -hmm. (laughs) still handsome and sweet. Yeah. He comes out of nowhere and uh, his aunt and uncle get burned to death by some weird helmet stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett, though, I think that that... You think? Flamethrower. Yeah. 
And Vader says in episode two, he goes, no disintegrations. Yeah. You know, like, even though that's not really disintegrating, I don't think. Well, the rumor is that he was talking about the kind of weapon that the Mandalorian has. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, because they apparently, well, not even, not even apparently, in, in, I can't remember what book it is, but in the book talking about the Mandalorians, those weapons are prized possessions among them mm-hmm. because they're hard to get their hands on. Yeah. So, it makes sense, but anyways, uh, his family's burned to death, which, his, he lives with his aunt and uncle in the middle of the sand pit, moisture farming. Yep. In a desert. Aunt and uncle burned to death? Yeah. Not, not the worst thing. Happen, I guess. If you want to get technical about it, <laughs> getting burned alive sucks. Like I don't know. Not for Luke Skywalker though, because oh. he didn't. <laughs> oh, for him it turned out great. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> oh, I, I get to meet my dad. But more or less, he's he's forced to meet his destiny, mm-hmm. and he runs off with this weird space wizard named Ben Kenobi that his uncle clearly tells him to stay away from. <laughs> and on first meeting, I mean, Ben tells him that. You're a wizard, Harry, more or less. I was like, oh, your father and I fought together in the Clone Wars, and your father killed, or your father was killed by Darth Vader, who now works for this evil empire you were just about to join the Academy for. She's like, oh, a lot to hit a boy with. All at once. Mm-hmm. But he believes him, and they take off yeah. to find a pilot. And boy, do they find a pilot. Yeah, they do. Uh, we're not going to go, you know, plot by plot beat You've of Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But uh, the cantina scene, probably the most famous Star Wars scene still. Yeah. Like, this was the first scene, especially in 1977, mm-hmm. where people had really seen something this inventive. Yeah. Like, they walk in and a dude looks like the devil. And there's <laughs> Greedo. and werewolf. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like Dr. Evazon. It's just like, all Scary right. looking alien smoking hookah and stuff. Like, it's one a, alien with, like, boobs on his forehead. And, like, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the weird uh, Dracula 2000 boobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's a strange, it's a strange land. Yeah. It's a hive of scum and villainy, but it's such a perfect encapsulation of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's endeared so long, like... People have been chasing that scene forever. Yeah. They tried to remake it in every movie, and they tried to remake it in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But he meet, he goes to this bar. Uh, first of all, old wizard just chops somebody's fucking hand off yeah. for setting, uh, setting a single finger on Luke Skywalker. Yep. You lose your hand. That's how mm-hmm. it works. And this... All right. Blood everywhere, too. I can't wait to... Yeah, it's just like... And that's the thing. They edited that out in the special editions. Oh, did they? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. He doesn't bleed anymore. It's like a a lightsaber wound now. He was cauterized. Mm, Because before, it's like they cut off his hand, and then they cut to an insert shot of his hand on the floor, and it's like blood and shit. Yeah. And they cut that shot completely I didn't know that. See, I I grew up on the... Yeah, man. I did. Yeah, right? (laughs) Before, it used to be bleeding and shit. Now, it's just cauterized. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly. Which makes sense, really. Unless, like, you cut it in a certain way where kind of, like, jabs an artery or something. I don't know. It's uh, a laser sword. I feel like it would just... Yeah. Yeah, Mm. you're right. Who knows? But anyways... (laughs) uh, he cuts off his dude's hand just to show he means business. Mm-hmm. Even though these guys have the death, they have the death sentence. Yeah, on well, six he systems. He doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? Oh well, like <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> All right, get a fucking job, mate. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> he, um, they go and meet this pilot, 
and uh, his name is Han Solo. And we get a little short scene of Han Solo before we meet him. Mm-hmm. And it's Han being accosted by uh, another bounty hunter named Greedo. Just a little green alien. Looks like a uh, looks like a fly kind of. Yeah, he's got like a fly's mouth kind and of. And the eye, like big ass eyes. You guys have seen Greedo, but <laughs> um, Greedo is like, hey man, you got you owe some debts to Java. What happened to that shipment? You yeah. gotta you gonna you gonna come and pay up? What's mm. the deal? Mm-hmm. And we know. Well, we've been told he's a bounty hunter. We've been shown he's a bounty hunter more or less. Yeah. So Han's in a little danger, and um, he straight up smokes that fool. Yeah. Han just pulls Han out his blaster first. and shoots him. Yep. And it's just like, well, that's one way to get a bounty hunter off your back. Is no warning, just boom. But it show it honest, honestly. We get, we're told that Tatooine is in the outer rim. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that means because we haven't been to any other planets yet. Mm-hmm. But we get to see in the cantina like exactly what that means in the, in the context of the story. Yeah. Like we get to see, like, hey man, this is what happens. It's mm-hmm. killer be killed out here. The 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 clans run the outer rim worlds. Yeah, like, the hut cartel. Mm-hmm. Oh, All Jabba's relatives. Imagine the smell. Oh god. But that mouth alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in doing that, they kind of it, it immediately ups the stakes for mm-hmm. Luke almost, where it's like, oh shit, I'm really in it now. Yeah. This guy is gonna be the pilot, but. <laughs> He has a ship that can make the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, uh, George Lucas didn't know what a parsec was when he wrote this. He didn't know that it was a measure of time and not a measure of distance in space. So, But in Star Wars, that's it's different. In Star Wars. It means this. It, me- it means going through a giant asteroid field with the monster in the center. There's of also it. no underwear in space. So, oh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is total oh, horseshit because that back to tank It scene. would choke you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they meet Han Solo. They get on the ship. And Luke starts training to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because this is like... Obviously, this is post-Flower Child, kind of 60s, early 70s-ish. Yeah. And this is like the... I mean, George Lucas is of that ilk. He's mm-hmm. one of those kids. And so this is kind of the the full culmination of that hippie love mm-hmm. type of movie. Really. Yeah. If you look at it from the terms of like where, when it was released. Because mm-hmm. this is the first time like, oh, things like the Force. It's everything's connected. and all that. Uh, yeah, and being able to sense things and having special ability. That wasn't... Things like that, not completely, but things like that before the 70s were kind of taboo in film. You don't want to talk mm. about it. You know what I mean? Blasphemer. Yeah, <laughs> especially for... I mean, film was a very kind of buttoned-up industry mm-hmm. back then. Before the 70s, I mean. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to see like this movie kind of gets into all those peace, love, and free mm-hmm. thought type ideas. Yeah. Like, this dude's a space wizard. He's going to train this dude. To, space monk wizard man. He's going like, to fight with a laser sword, but he doesn't need to see. He can just feel the thing. Mm-hmm. Even though it's just a laser from a robot, he can feel it. Well, the force like tells him where it's going to be. Shows it, yeah. moves the arm. Like, you're not moving. And just for some of you that don't know how the force works. Yeah, they're not deceive you. Don't trust them. They're not visually seeing the blasts coming towards them. It's right. literally... The force moving their arms for them and doing yeah. it like, and I always felt like it. It had a kinetic energy aspect to it as well, uh-huh. where like 
if you're if you can feel the energy field around you through the force, mm-hmm. you can feel when something kinetically is shot into that energy field yeah, and disrupts, creating it. a path through it. Yeah, you'd be, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. that it's kind of like uh, in the Matrix with Neo seeing in code, like yeah, something coming through it. You, you know, you can penetrating you can, through that code. You, you can, can see pinpoint it. it. Uh-huh. So I, I always bought that, and I, even as a kid, I mean, as a kid, you don't really think about it. You know, it's just like, oh, it's fantastical. Blocking blasts. Yeah, but as it actually works, like in within the internal logic of the movie, mm-hmm. everything works beautifully. Yeah, like the world building in in just one movie is incredible in mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, we get you know cantina scene and stuff like that, but Grand Moff Tarkin. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Empire yet. Mm-hmm. But in the scene where Darth Vader is more or less introduced, speaking to Grand Moff Tarkin, mm-hmm. uh, the one of the little soldiers around, one of the Imperial guards, is like, "Oh, we don't need your space wizardry." Oh, that was one your of the space moths. mysticism. I think that was one of the moths or whatever. Yeah, no, no, no it was one of the assistants. Oh. One of the like a the, he was a chain uh, he, of command. He, yeah, he was at the he was at mm. the council table. We don't know with your ancient space religions. No, your hokey space religions. Yeah, so it, it, it made it this thing where it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Only this super old guy on a sand planet and this weird all-black samurai can know about this thing. Mm-hmm. And it just it made it such an intriguing thing. Yeah, it's letting you know that they're a dying breed, whoever they are. Like, before you really know what, you know, Jedis are, before you delve into it. It's doing a great job when you know that they're the last right. of their kind for the most part. And uh, it's just so immediately almost they fly towards uh, Alderaan, mm-hmm. which is the planet that we see in the very beginning is blown the fuck up yep. <laughs> by this new weapon, the Death Star, mm-hmm. the technological terror, as Darth Vader calls it. Yep. Um, and Princess Leia is on the Death Star being held so as they're flying they fly oh it's some sort of asteroid field <laughs> oh it's not an asteroid field it's just these, the remains of all these people on this giant planet <laughs> and then they pull up to a moon mm-hmm. and uh that's no moon at mm-hmm. all it's mm-hmm. uh, it's the death star yep so it automatically like it shows you this full giant scope of the enemy yeah. Which is this empire, mysterious shrouded empire. Mm-hmm. We have this old, old, old dude, and then we have this Darth Vader, which is just like, okay, what the hell? What is going on? Like, Yeah. But they reconcile. They uh, start getting tracked to beamed up. Yep. They're being boarded. Yeah. Um, so they get taken into the Death Star, and, you know, you guys have seen Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, the Death Star scenes... It's the sets are beautiful. It's such an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. The matte paintings, yeah, everything mm-hmm. is just like, what the fuck? And the hangar bay, like the shiny black floor mm-hmm. and all that, beautiful. Even just little details in the Death Star, like the um, the gonk droids walking around, yeah. the little skitter droids like just beaming across the floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just all this stuff where it's just like. Hell, even this place has little character stuff mm-hmm. or world stuff, rather. Just so dense with detail and imagination, like it's yeah. amazing that people think this shit up. Like, and um, the they get in disguise of stormtroopers. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? It's like, huh? You know, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. But they rescue the princess, and George says he intended for them to be siblings the entire time. I also don't believe that. 
Yeah. I also don't believe that he knew that Vader was the father either. I don't think he even decided that yet. I don't think so either. It's just too coincidental. Like, I love you, just... George, but you're a bit of a bullshitter. Yeah, you're like... not that great of a storyteller. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> but... He's a great storyteller. It's just this, like, wow, how it all planned out. It's like, Is he though? Is he though? Is he yeah, though? I would say so. He's a great arc builder, storyteller, storyboard guy, all that. I'd say he's a good story builder. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same as a storyteller, I would say. I don't know if he's that great at telling stories, though. I don't know. I, I think that's where his strong suit. That's the one thing I was... He's a weak director, a weak writer. But character building, world building, and storytelling, I think overall he's solid. He's really good at hmm. But I don't know. I, I mean, I think that this movie really showcased everything that... Like, like I said, it's lighting in a bottle. Like, yeah. This movie was like... It was a perfect storm of George being George, but not too George, you mm. know what I mean? Looking at you, episode he, two. He couldn't be too George. People were telling he, uh people back then actually told him no. So yeah. it's like... <laughs> but, it's like but once you're considered a genius, everybody fucking flocks to you, lets you do whatever you want. But I, he was had some reins back then. Mm-hmm. I bet you he would have put midichlorians and shit and... Um, a New Hope. Well, originally, um, if you guys have seen the George Lucas film Willow, mm. um, which features little people as the main cast, originally Luke and Leia were supposed to be little people, according to George Lucas. Mm, so it's going to do a Frodo thing. Yeah, which I, I, to a certain extent, I guess could have been interesting, but that would lend into the Metaclorian type thing. Weird lightsaber fights. Yeah. It's like, right. Real weird lightsaber fights. It's like me and my brothers playing with sticks outside the garage. No <laughs> yeah. offense, little people. I'm just saying. When I was a kid, that's what I did. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, and, and like we'll say, little people have had a great uh, um, history with Star Wars. And I mean, yeah, costumes. Star, Star Wars, and, one of the Star Wars is one of the premier places. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of little of, people got work in Star Wars, and I feel like maybe that's why. Obviously, Star Wars is a great movie. Well, you know, we talk about it as a movie mm-hmm. endlessly, just as friends, <laughs> but. I think that's part of the reason it had such a big cultural impact is because it kind of was a place for misfits, outcasts. Yeah. Like if you were into weird stuff in the 70s and the perfect 80s. perfect for you. Yeah, Star Wars was like that hub. Mm-hmm. And that's why it got that reputation very early on. I mean, it only really just shook that reputation mm-hmm. of being for nerds, like yeah. a nerd thing. Now it's... Mainstream. No, it's pop culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean everybody knows Ray. Even people who aren't like massive fans, just in uh, not to get off on this tangent, but they make up the majority of the ticket sales. But like right. the people who aren't just massive fans who just want to go out on a date or go, you know, everyone oh, sees the new it. Star Wars movies yeah. out. Yeah, it's an event type thing. Like they, even they, if you're not like us, and, you know, yeah, and that, you I go mean, see a Star Wars movie. Like proof of that is that they moved it to Christmas and now they own Christmas. Yes, they do. So it's such a, it's become such a big thing that we forget, like, back then, Star Wars was that place where, yeah, we got little people, we got Peter Mayhew, who's seven feet tall, Mm -hmm. when nobody back then was seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. Like, we have actors that are either unknown completely, Mm -hmm. which the 70s did have a good little crop of that. Carrie Carrie and Alec Guinness were the only ones with, like, Actual careers. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Harrison had only been in American Graffiti. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, he was a carpenter. Yeah. So it, it, like, it really took a chance on everyone. Yeah. And it was rewarded for it because it was that place for you know the the 
quote unquote outcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then everybody loved it too, of course. Yeah. Because it was new and shiny and big. And the effects were unlike anything they'd ever seen. But I would say episode two being episode two, and as Star Wars as it is, mm-hmm. wouldn't be the way it is without like the diehards yeah, of that sure. nerd sector. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But man, Star Wars is so good. The first one is just, it has such a mood to it. Mm-hmm. It's one minute's a western, and the next minute, like you're watching like fucking Buck Rogers or something. Yeah, like it's it's crazy. Like, and then at the end, you're watching like a, a samurai, like a Kurosawa movie, like legacy a... type thing going on and stuff. Like, I love it. I mean, obviously, I love it. We both, yeah, love it. of course. <laughs> but um, when Obi Wan fights Darth Vader for the first time, well, yeah. the only time, um, and there's such like an implied history between them because mm-hmm. that just on Star Wars we don't know anything about you know with what goals. little they say you know, with what little they say it's just like what the hell happened between these two dudes and the like, way that the way that they're able to sense each other across time and space was mm-hmm. like oh I sense a presence one I haven't felt, felt since. since and just walks out of the room like damn and and then in at parts of uh, the Death Star Death Star interior sequence when Obi Wan senses Vader's near. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow. Vader's just waiting for him at the end of the hallway. My I power, love that. Mm. It's, it's almost like uh, when Anakin in the prequels, my powers have doubled since the last time. He kind of, mm-hmm. he tries to, Darth Vader tries to like prop up like, oh, I'm, I'm much stronger than the mm-hmm. last time we met, blah, blah, blah. I was but the student, but now I'm, you know, yeah, now, now I'm, I'm the master. master. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, Mace Windu would disagree with you on that one. Yeah. So that, <laughs> you don't have and all, it's just such a cool battle because we see that, like, in order, the only way to get Luke, who was dragged from this, not dragged, but who was taken from this desert planet by this old man. into this destiny. Mm. The only way to get him to leave this old man is the old man has to die. Yeah. And he realizes that, and nobody else does. Mm-hmm. But he also knows that he'll be able to come back, etc., etc. Yeah. But for this movie, he just knows that that's the only thing that's going to get Luke out of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. So he gives himself up. He turns off his lightsaber. Which what happened to Obi Wan's lightsaber? I wonder. Um, Vader probably kept it, or mm. or Sidious at least maybe did. Because I remember he picks it up and he's like feeling it. Yeah, I think he probably kept it. Yeah, or, I would imagine or Sidious would. has it. Cause... I mean, that's the lightsaber that you know, almost killed his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he killed his wife, but you know. It's a lightsaber that took his arms and legs. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Made him a cripple. Uh-huh, and put him in a fire, like, and put him in lava. Oof. So, I I think he had, because... Cut off a lot of limbs, that lightsaber did. Yeah, it did. Killed a lot of droids, destroyed a lot of droids. Yeah. A lot of... A war general, that man was. That, Anyways. <laughs> um... I, it's not canon anymore, and I don't even know if it was canon at the time, but um, F- Force Unleashed, um, I it think Sidious canon. kept the uh, lightsabers. Or, oh, no, that's not Sidious, right. Vader kept the lightsabers. Of the, of, of the Jedi he defeated. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wanted it as proof, but I think he was keeping them, That too. was canon, by the way. It was? Back okay, then, then it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then that's cool. Um, but... And that's probably what he did with uh, one saber. I, I would imagine, and, mm-hmm. and that's a special one too. But anyways, we don't get too deep lore on Star mm-hmm. Wars. <laughs> but Obi Wan Kenobi self sacrifices, um, and Luke gets away with Han mm-hmm. chewing on, and Leia. Yeah. They get the princess, uh, who actually during the escape she's very capable. One of the first, I mean, the seventies was kind of a banner for female action characters, mm-hmm. kind of not even just action, but female characters kind of coming to the forefront. Mm-hmm. 
She was but no Princess damsel. Leia wasn't a damsel. By any means. Yeah, she, I mean, she sent out a distress message. Mm-hmm. But once they rescue her, she's handling the blaster. She's making decisions and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. Giving, Natural leader. Giving kiss. She really is. Mm-hmm. Um... I was gonna say giving kiss for luck, and then you said natural leader, so I didn't want to undercut it. Oh. Now I undercut it, so oh well. Hey, she kissed her brother. What am I supposed to do about it? <laughs> but um, it, it, they escape, and then they meet up with Princess Leia's rebels, which is a whole nother thing we've got to mm-hmm. talk about. But they meet up with the rebels, and they plan another attack on the Death Star, more or less. Luke's an ace pilot. Yeah, yeah Luke is a pilot, which a lot of people um, even nowadays. They call Luke and Mary Sue. Um, to a certain extent, I would agree. He is. I'd say like 60, 40, 70, 30, it's, it's 4 the force, against. man. It's the force. Yeah, the force but, there are, I mean, but there are mentions, and that's why I can't I mean, say Anakin's completely. an even bigger one than Luke is. Yeah, but like there are certain things. like They mention that his father's a great pilot, so mm-hmm. it somehow translates to him being a great pilot. But mm-hmm. they do mention that he can fly. Oh, he, know, shot, he flew in his T, whatever. His T-16. He yeah. used to bullseye womp rats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't worry. I know all of it. <laughs> I'm cursed with the knowledge of everything in Star Wars. <laughs> but he, uh, he, they they didn't mention he can fly. But there are certain moments that, like you said, they can be explained through the Force. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a normal hero's journey. They, yeah. Of course he's going to be Mary Sue. He's a 70s main character. And you know he's what? not Travis Bickle. I, I mean, if Ray's a Mary Sue, then Anakin is a Mary Sue. I just wish people would carry that same energy for Anakin and Luke. I but, agree. I mean, but at the same time, I don't think... I just... The Force makes him great. No, I, know, I wouldn't the say Force for Anakin, though. I would say we actually... Anakin, yeah. Anakin being a great pilot is completely warranted. He, no. can, pilot, he, he can pilot pod racers yeah, because, of his, because of his reflexes. He's shown to be a capable mechanic. He's a child. He's a goddamn child. He's a child. I, I'm just saying, he's like... He's a child slave with nothing to do but work on ships. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's some pretty extraordinary shit he's doing for a child. So, I mean, The that's, Force... Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I have no the Force makes with, Mary Sue's of us all, is I, the point. Like, I have no problem with him being great at all. I'm just saying, like, he's probably the biggest one of them all, in my opinion. Because, like, you know, and I we're talking about the original, but I'm just going to make some points. I'll try spinning. That's a good he, trick. He, he built, yeah, exactly. Like, he builds, he's a child who builds a goddamn pod racer from, pretty much from scratch. He builds a droid. He okay, races but, against grown adults he, and wins. Okay, but he's, <laughs> listen, he's 12 years old. He's probably been working since he could walk. I don't even think he was 12. I think he was younger than that. He's 11 or 12 at that point. Mm. Um, but he's he's a child slave yeah, who works it. in a mechanic shop yeah, building robots. I understand So I, 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 in the reality of the film, I understood, like, okay, he, works, in, he works as a mechanic. He theoretically, where they in a place where they have pod racing as a big industry, on a he could build. accidentally blows up. A droid command center. Oh yeah, yeah, Something yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like stuff like that. Pilot, fighter pilots couldn't do. <laughs> like this, this kid just what? <laughs> like comedy yells. Like it's now. Just, this is pod racing. Yeah, it's just. I'm just saying. Like, right, no, I'm not you're gonna start crying about Ray. You better keep the same energy for these two dudes. All right. I love defending the prequels. <laughs> I, I love the prequels too, and I'll defend them, even though I, I don't like. I, I don't. They're think so they're ridiculous. Like, yeah, but. 
That's all I'm gonna say. Is just keep, but anyways, keep that same energy. Uh, Luke is Luke is a capable pilot, capable mm-hmm. enough, and they fly back in these really cool X wings, mm-hmm. and these wings separate and turn into an X. Ready for combat. Oh, what a cool ship design! And that's another thing we have to give up for Ralph McQuarrie, and uh, he made the concept art for all of this. Yeah. And I, um, Ralph McQuarrie, if you guys haven't looked him up, uh, there's a big, big book of Star Wars concept art that all of the uh, making of the original. A lot of it's Dune and. Uh, a lot of it is uh, in the making of the original shows. All of the uh, um, Darth Vader was originally inspired by the old Samurais and mm. Kurosawa movies. Had a blue Luke, lightsaber. Yeah, that. Luke was inspired by a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, it was supposed to be blue and red, mm. um, or actually supposed to be blue and green, but the green wouldn't show up all against the blue screen that they had. Mm. Or excuse me, the blue wouldn't show up against the blue screen that they mm. had. So that's why a lot of the blue screen, um, or a lot of the regular lightsaber, Luke's lightsaber in the movie. It's superimposed because it's it also not, looks uh, white a little bit. So. Yeah, because blue wouldn't show up, mm. so they had to raise the or lower the saturation. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Anyways, not to get too technical on y'all, <laughs> but uh, it, it Ralph McQuarrie had this a lot of influence back then. You know, yeah. a lot of different kind of artwork. But if you guys haven't seen it, he did um, what's called retro sci-fi. Mm. Uh, basically, it's uh, people in the fifties and sixties what they assumed the future was going to look uh, like. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those early, um, a lot of earlier designs you would see in like Venture Brothers yeah. or Fantastic Four early comics, a lot of that stuff. It also kind of has, remember that, that super old movie, but crazy, um, genius, uh, Metropolis. Oh uh, yeah. A lot of the artwork. Fritz Lang, like, mm-hmm. the boy. A lot of it looks like, like C-3PO's early concept work. He looks like a robot related. from Metropolis. Like, yeah, and that, uh, Metropolis was a big inspiration for George Lucas, if I remember correctly. Metropolis, Star Trek, Dune, uh, all those. Oh inspired. man, one day we gotta try, we gotta talk about Metropolis. Yeah. It's a good little movie. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's. Almost like it's it's a good film, yeah. Like to study, but it's a very bizarre movie, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a good little it's, it's a good little artistic rendering. I think Star Wars mm-hmm. is like the perfect get it out of your head kind yeah. of idea because there's like the Death Star. We talked about the interior, mm-hmm. the little the use of figurines, these mm-hmm. miniatures. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff. Just and painstaking hours. Crazy the lack of faith. Nobody like. George got treated like garbage on the set, like um, because they filmed it in England, mm-hmm. and the um, the labor union for like film crews, like the crew, did not take him seriously. The sound crew, all of them, they treated George like trash. And like George, I remember he goes, "Can we just like they're all about to go on break and because they're a union, they can do whatever the hell they want." Yeah, of course. George is like, "Can we please just take? Please, I'm begging. It's ten minutes." And uh, the film this do another shot one more time, and you guys go on break, and they all laughed at him and walked away. Yeah. And and George even himself thought it was going to be a disaster, and it wasn't until, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet, the great incredible genius John Williams. Uh. It wasn't until like George thought the movie was going to be horrible, and it wasn't until he heard John Williams score, That's he was like right. he said to himself, he was like things are going to be all right. Like it's good. absolutely like once he saw heard the music, he was like, this this is good. Like I, I'd say probably again probably top five most famous musical scores mm-hmm. of all time, easily. He's and out of that, uh, he's, he's all five slots of the yeah, top five. Yeah, he's he himself is the greatest compo- film composer of all time. Oh, easily. Harry Potter, Jaws. All these 
in oh Jurassic God. Park and like you, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing, but uh, the cool thing about his music is you hear it, you instantly visualize what that you feel movie. about the movie yep. and the scene. You know exactly like it's such a it has such a recall ability mm-hmm. that it takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, that Star Wars fanfare is is singularly Star Wars. Just, it could be nothing else. It but, just blows up in your face like it's incredible and even those even the quiet a lot of the quieter moments are my favorite parts of the score in Star Mm -hmm. Wars like when C-3PO and R2-D2 are wandering through the desert it's just like a flute just playing and they it's just like such a simple little moment yeah is completely texturized by that the way he could just watch a scene and then think of the music and say it's just incredible I, I think that you're completely right. That was his, that was his saving grace. Is that like, that music? That's what made George like confident again. Like he was like, things are gonna be okay. Like, and what's crazy is he showed it to his producer Hollywood buddies, and they were all concerned for him. Like they got all they got out and I'm like George, this is weird. Like this is not gonna be good. Like they were looking at him like, there's no way. They were like, they seemed concerned about him. <laughs> like, are you okay, right. man. Like. This is we they just didn't understand it and it just turned out to be just a fever uh, of a fandom. Like. And originally, um, in before Fox, because Fox was the producers of this, I think the Soul ones distributors. Uh, before more. that, mm. it was brought to Disney and they turned it down. Now, way at back it. when in 1973, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like oh, failures. Where did that bring? Right back to <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it, it. There's only I. I honestly like. There's I could talk about this movie forever. There's yeah. just so much in this one film that's it. It's uh, such a big cultural moment. Mm-hmm. It's such a big movie moment. Yeah. It, it it's such a big idea moment really because mm. it's it, obviously space stuff it had been introduced before i mean mm. you know the the shining or excuse me not the shining 2001 had already come and gone even uh to a lesser extent um twilight zone had already come and gone which and featured just a smidge planet of the apes and stuff yeah and... absolutely so it wasn't by any means a new genre or new exploration of it but it's just perfect yeah it was a if we're gonna uh, one thing I'll say about the new genre-ish point is it's um, a, one of the first times, I, one of the first ones that I can recall where it's blending fantasy, except maybe Dune, blending fantasy with sci-fi. Yeah. Like, and it, it's, Star Wars is specifically a space opera. Yeah. It wasn't a science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not science. Uh, that's why like when people try to like break down the science of like how these things work, it's like... All right. Well, there's also sound in space, and they're banking like they're flying in the air. And yeah. So it's it's not it's actually, fantasy. It's not sci-fi. It's not trying yeah, to be accurate to space. Like it's, exactly. It's not actual science. It's mm-hmm. just fantasy. It's a fantasy universe we're living in. It's living in, and it works perfectly at it. Honestly. Yeah. Man, I could really talk about this forever. <laughs> I probably am going to end up talking about this forever. Yeah. It's so strange to see, like, oh well, Star Wars is coming to an end. Now, of course, it's they're never going to let it end, mm-hmm. but the saga is coming to an end mm-hmm. specifically, as, as far as we know. And I believe them when they say when they say this. I believe them yeah, when they say it's actually ending. And George originally said it was supposed to be three trilogies and nine movies. Mm-hmm. He had plans for nine movies. 
So it, it makes sense that they all ended out after, okay, we did our set of three. Mm-hmm. And now we'll move on to something else completely. They'll probably, and we, I think we mentioned this on the podcast, they'll probably branch off into, uh, without the numerals, obviously, uh, like tri- uh, trilogies of like Old Republic and stuff like that. So yeah. Our new original characters and new time zone, time frames, you know, super far in the future. And if you're, if you're watching Mandalorian, no spoilers, you there's some hints at a bright future for Star Wars, like far down the line. Right. But, um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see, um, especially because I think once the sequel trilogy is over, we'll be able to better contextualize it with the rest of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll be able to see, like, okay, what is this message compared to the rest of Star Wars? Yeah. Like, what's its point to, mm-hmm. that it's making? Because the prequels, for whatever faults they have, and they do have a lot, um, they have a point, and it gets that point across mm-hmm. to a certain extent, and so does the original trilogy. The sequel trilogy, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't see the point yet. Mm. I don't see what they're trying to get at, yeah. whether it's, you know, faith in somebody can conquer all, or, mm-hmm. whatever, or can Kylo Ren be brought back from the brink. I, I don't know what the the I, major thematic element is. It of might this be a redemption trilogy. story at one. Uh, or I would imagine. I mean, same. I mean, I guess with the original trilogy, Redemption of Vader. Yeah. The last movie. But I, I guess there's... This sequel trilogy is sprinkling way more kernels of hints at um, Kylo being redeemed. Yeah. I I think this... Um, similarly to the to the prequel trilogy where it's, it's, a, it's, it's muddled, but I do think in the end they'll make a point. Yeah. I do too. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just figured we'd talk about the first Star Wars movie because now we're going to get the last quote-unquote, Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You know, in the saga. Last of the Skywalkers. They're never letting this shit go. I, oh, I Trust me. They'll probably slow it down at one point, but it ain't ever going on. There's this meme, maybe I'll post it once I finally, uh, once I finally update the Instagram page. Mm-hmm. But I send it to Alex every time some Star Wars stuff is announced, and he gets uh, a little upset at me every time, but... It's just this image of Mickey Mouse in a little farmer's costume with a bunch of buckets in his hands, about four <laughs> or five or six, and just the scrawniest little cow you've ever seen. I mean, labeled Star Wars. Star Wars has always been milked, even long before Disney bought it. George invented that whole style of milking it, and with toys and like selling. With merchandise, yeah. I'm but just saying, like, this is a different degree. I would say it's only I mean, a different degree. But what I'm saying is, like, this isn't nothing new for Star it's Wars. Like now so we have. Yeah, you can get Star Wars goddamn toaster. You could get like yeah, a waffle th- press. Like, uh, I, my only argument would be would be back then it was Star Wars movies and Star Wars merchandise, right? Yeah. I now can. it's Star Wars movies, TV shows, merchandise, cartoons. If I if it's commercials, quality, I don't give a shit. You know, I I, I do. I, I mean, I I I just I don't want to see R two D two on a fucking Ford commercial every. You know what I mean? And she like me. Oh, R2-D2 at your local Hyundai dealer. I mean, you know, right, Star Wars off. at Kentucky Fried Chicken when Phantom Menace came that's out. True. All right, so it's <laughs> that's like... very true. That's very true. <laughs> Stones meet Glass House. Yeah. I get you. I but... just, and don't get me wrong, you're, you're not wrong. Like, it's definitely to a different extent, but it's still nothing really new. And I mean, that, that, meme, that meme specifically is just funny to me because at the time that it was made and referring to... It was when they announced 
the Skywalker movies, mm-hmm. this, the new sequel trilogies, yeah. and then all the movies in between. Mm-hmm. And then they announced like three TV shows, and then they announced Galaxy's Edge. And it's just like, all right, guys, calm the fuck down for a minute. You don't have to do this shit all at once. You have it forever. They'll slow it down. They'll slow the They're slowing up. it down now because of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can say, I mean... They, but uh, every they, trilogy has had a steady decline. It, it per, has. Per movie. I agree. Yeah, I agree. They always start strong, and then... They always make a fuck ton of money, but they always start well, strong. Well, except for the original. The original em- Empire, Empire had a spike. Empire was the highest point. Mm, okay. Because it, it went from Star Wars, Empire was a big jump, and mm. then it went down to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Or actually, I think it might have been... It might have stayed steady on Return of the Jedi, because that was the biggest uh, production of all the toys and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, even compared to now, they were making way more toys back in Return of the Jedi times. Oh, yeah, and those toys... Uh, were awesome. Uh, they were great. They were, we were talking that's about, back when they had Kenner toys. Yeah, Kenner. The story, it, not only is Star Wars incredible, but the story behind the scenes of it, Yeah. Uh, not only like with the production, but Kenner, the story of how Kenner got the toys off the ground. And Kenner had, did you know, uh, Kenner had full license to all the books as well. Mm, yeah, so there were a lot of there were a lot of characters who were only in the books that mm-hmm. they made figures for. I like how Hasbro, with, their, with the new Star Wars lines, they'll make vintage... Uh, Star Wars, like to, the toys, they'll put them in vintage packing and they'll put the Kenner logo ah, on, cool. on the toys. Yeah, because Kenner, I believe they're defunct now. Mm-hmm. Um, Hasbro's about to be bought out too. Somebody's about to buy them, but it's like a big... Hasbro it's like, owns it's Death like, Row Records. Which yeah, is, but it's like some big It's like some big battle because I think somebody big wanted to buy them, mm. but the U.S. government stepped in. It's like, no, you'd be too big if you bought that. Mm. I think Disney might have wanted to buy them. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I love Disney, but I don't want them owning Hasbro. Yeah, but, please don't. Uh, I mean, they already got a good deal worked out together making their merch, like Marvel toys, Star Wars. like. Yeah, even though, I mean, Star Wars toys have had a really big decline in sales. Just over to the se- this sequel trilogy. I mean, kids don't play with toys. And it's they're not. they're expensive. Like, they are. The six-inch figures are like $20. Like, some stores sell them for like 25 It's insane. So... Well, I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting legacy that Star Wars has left, especially being the biggest movie pretty much ever at that point. Yeah, I mean, there was such pandemonium after because I mean, back in the seventies, movies stayed in theaters much longer. Yeah, you know, he, Star Wars probably in theaters for Hell, like two even months, well into the eighties. I remember, like, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, of course, I wasn't alive, then, but like, you know of. <laughs> I know, I know, like, um, Gone with the Wind was in theaters for like decades. I know that. Yeah, that's right. Gone with was in theaters for forty years, I believe, mm-hmm. forty five, something like that. And I and that must have just stopped before I was born, because like movies didn't stay in theaters that long when, no, when I was no, a kid. No, definitely never. Not. I think Gone with the Wind holds the record either that or like Birth of a Nation or something like that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's it's interesting to see the legacy that it's had, especially the legacy that it continued to has. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at this point. I mean, we can argue over which ones we like better, but at this point, there are more bad Star Wars properties than there are good Star Wars properties. Mm. Like, taking everything into account, yeah. movies, video games, mm-hmm. TV shows, there's more bad stuff than there is good. Bad stuff that there's I still There's arguably eat. four, <laughs> yeah, bad stuff that I still eat every day. Like, eat that shit 90% of those books were <laughs> terrible, but I love them. But I mean, at this point, I mean, there's four... Four good movies, five if you want to argue, well, six if you want to argue Last Jedi. Mm. So, it's like, okay, six good movies out of ten or eleven at this point. Yeah. It's like, ooh, okay. Including 
Including the holiday special. Yeah, including the holiday <laughs> special. So, yeah, we got to bump that up to 12. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Maybe we'll do that for An Christmas. Ewok movie. Oh, what if we do that for Christmas? A holiday special. A Star Wars holiday special? Life Day. I mean, Star Wars is coming out right around Christmas. That's true. It's a holiday special with Star Wars. It's a double whammy. You're not wrong. Double whammy. Wait, that's, that's good ROI right there. <laughs> if, this, if, this, if this episode performs well, we might have to... Uh, I'll have to talk some Christmas special. Uh, some meet, meet Chewy's family. You guys will hate that. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a commentary of it. That way you guys don't have to listen to it. But you can watch it with us. And you can see how just how awful it is for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mark Hamill wearing weird eyeliner. Like, <laughs> I want to say that was the first appearance after his car accident. He's hardly in it. Yeah, uh, same thing with Harrison. Harrison's like... That was after all his surgeries. Harrison's just dropping him off on Kashyyyk. It's like, have a happy life day, buddy. And then, <laughs> I'll see you later, pal. Say hello to the family for me. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Well, I mean, in all fairness, it is the late 70s, and you can't put a drug smuggler, or excuse me, a smuggler mm-hmm. in a holiday special for kids. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, you put, just dropping them off. You put Carrie Fisher's coke nail, though. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> two episodes in a row bringing up cocaina. <laughs> Stephen King. Stephen King, Carrie Fisher. What Kindred was that said last week? Uh, it was peak, uh, peak, peak, uh, coke, peak, peak coke, coke Stephen King. Oh no, <laughs> peak coke Stephen. <laughs> oh boy. Well, li- yeah, and so yeah, Wookie Life Day and the hol- holiday special is peak coke Carrie. <laughs> John Favreau says he's making a new. Um, Holiday special, yeah. that's right. I'm curious if it's going to involve Chewbacca or if it's going to be... Apparently he wants to feature Life Day because all the planets celebrate... I, other planets celebrate Life Day as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, um, what's it called? Um, the Mandalorian. One of the oh. one of his bounties was like... Uh, I gotta say, get back for Life Day. Yeah, I wanna get back home for Life Day. And he's like a weird fish person. Like, Hey man, we respect and, fish people around here. We, we These parts... <laughs> We're woke cast. That's right. Woke Star Wars cast. We don't discriminate against gills. Put more Asian people in my Star Wars just so I can sell more tickets in China. <laughs> Chinese just, doesn't matter if she's not Chinese. Chinese just aren't interested in Star Wars. But what are you gonna do? Self, but, you gotta self insert your Asian waifu if you're Ryan Johnson. <laughs> oh, oh, did I say that out loud? But I think the Life Day movie Favreau's take on it could actually be really good. It could. Okay. I think I actually think I'm actually we kind started, of excited for that. We started this discussion talking about the 1977 masterpiece, <laughs> and we're ending this talking about the 1979 disaster piece. <laughs> when George Lucas says if he could take every single copy, individual copy in existence, and individually smash it with a hammer, he said he would. Like <laughs> every copy of it in existence, he would smash like, one It's like Steven one Spielberg one. in the ET game. <laughs> Find them all, put them in a landfill. I don't care if it ruins the planet. Just get rid of every one of them. Man, when they found that treasure, that legendary treasure oh, trove, boy. Of it, like, oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna take a short break because uh, Papa needs some water. Yeah, I'm a bit parched. Yeah, just a little just a smidge. But I'm gonna play a nice little interlude in between. We'll talk about the industry for just a hot little minute. And uh, then we're going to go to a restaurant and get some steamy, steamy food. Mm-hmm. In this cool weather, we're going to get some hot food. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. 
Hope You're you right. guys enjoyed the little eight seconds that we weren't here. <laughs> but <laughs> welcome on in. Um, the news segment, we talked about Star Wars. We kind of figured we'd just continue uh, that just for a second. Uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have kind of been... They're the new heir apparent yeah. at Lucasfilm. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy is still in charge, but her contract is up in two years. And it's next year and the year after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that they're... John Favreau, the executive producer of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and Dave Filoni, one of the producers of Mandalorian, He's but one of also... the creators with... Because uh, like they both had the creator credits, too. Yeah, and then uh, they, he also did the Clone Wars series mm-hmm. and Rebels series as well. Um, they seem to be the new guys on the block of Star Wars. Uh, taking it into the next era, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, which is a cool announcement. Yeah. Um, it's not official that they're in charge, in charge. But we pretty much know it's going to happen. Yeah, it's, you know, the writing's on the wall, more or less. Mm-hmm. But, uh, interesting announcement, I would yeah. say. I mean, Mandalorian is great so far. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot of great reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my circles. Yeah. Um, and it looks incredible. So it makes sense for Disney to kind of like elevate them, mm-hmm. especially after turbulent sequel trilogy. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see though. I welcome it. You know, uh, they, they could be, they could pick way worse people. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Um, we do know that Kevin Feige is getting the producer of Marvel's movies, of course, mm-hmm. is getting his own standalone movie within the series. That'll be interesting. Um, yeah, because he always brings a nice perspective, uh, especially because he's a fan of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but be on the lookout. Definitely. Um, Joker 2 is yeah. more or less officially announced. It's, um, in, it's in early development. Yeah, the no script has been commissioned, um, but Todd Phillips is rumored to be coming back, Walking Phoenix with him. Uh, so, nice little... We knew it was going to happen once. Can't pull the apple out of that horse. Mm-hmm. But um, there is also the rumor that Todd Phillips is going to be developing other DC characters, and that's been his stipulation for doing a second Joker movie, is he wants permission to do more of the uh, DC characters yeah. in a broader scope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully in a similar vein of kind of real, kind of serious takes. He, just, he has to be, you know, pick, pick and choose wisely, that's all. What characters he wants to do. Yeah, but... Um, Hopefully, one day we'll get that Mad Hatter movie that everybody's been clamoring for. Uh, oh, the Mad Hatter. I would love it, but everyone's clamoring for it. Or the Calendar Man. A Calendar Man movie would be awesome. Calendar Man movie would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But people don't know all about Reeves, those deep cuts. A Matt Reeves Batman movie where he takes on Calendar, Calendar Man, Man at one point would be awesome. I could totally do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the year's kind of wrapping up. We probably are going to do our... Year end year uh, lists next week oh, or favorites. in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying to wait until Honey Boy comes out because I know that's going to be up that there. That should be any week. Any uh, day I believe now. it's next week or coming up or maybe early December. I think it's playing like in New um, York and LA, but it's not here. Yet. Yeah, during the festivals. Um, we're also waiting on the Irishman to officially come out. Yeah, which is another big one this year. So we and also Marriage Story, which I'm going to see. Yeah, that's got um, like 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. Parasite just just came out, so I'm still going to get to the box office to see that probably. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple things that are still baking before mm-hmm. we do a year-end list. Um, one thing I did want to bring up before we go, just to end our news segment. Uh, I read a story on Variety. I've been, I've been frantically looking for it. 
But basically, um, uh, there was a law that was yeah. put into act uh, by movies, more or less, kind of by the unions of filmmakers, directors, etc., Screenwriters mm. Guild, uh, back in Golden Age. So this is like 40s, 50s eras, because back then, um, Paramount Pictures and the other big studios, there were six of them. Yeah. Um, actually, there were eight, but then six. Now there's four. Mm. Actually, Fox is gone, so there's three, I believe. But anyways, um, Paramount was the biggest producer of movies, along with MGM, a couple other studios. But basically, they also owned movie theater chains. Mm. So it was kind of a um, complete synergy of the pipeline. Yeah. Of, okay, we make the movies. We commission, the studio commissions the scripts. So we make exactly the kind of content that's coming out. We decide everything. Mm. We commission a person to write the script based on our direction. Mm. We pick the person to direct, but they direct based on our direction. Basically, studios just had stables of writers. They have stables of directors and stables of actors, and they just mix and match yeah. like Taco Bell. <laughs> so, and they would spit them out to the theaters, and it would be nothing but those movies. Now, studio system fell um, not long after that, because of, but in in large part due to this law that kind of separated those two things mm-hmm. where. Uh, it was viewed as an unfair advantage for theater owners specifically. Definitely. Um, and different things, uh, having to bend to the will necessarily of these movie theaters, mm-hmm. because or movie companies rather, because those companies made or break their entire season. Because mm-hmm. if they just didn't, oh, you get no Paul Newman movies oh. this entire year. No, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Paul yeah. Newman put out three movies that year. What, you, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And so it, after cutting off that, um, it kind of went quiet. That's how it kind of led to what we talked about today with the 70s, kind of the director renaissance with Scorsese and Coppola and George Lucas yeah. and Spielberg, everybody. Yeah. And James Cameron to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody kind of comes out of the woodwork in the 70s because of this disillusion of that early, mm-hmm. earlier, which kind of let it thrive. Um, there's been talk. Uh, recently, and the uh, I wish I could remember, it's the theaters, it's the theater union, the union of theater owners, mm. and they have an acronym, but the acronym is already being used by another company, so it's the uh. worst one. But anyways, um, this law is being considered to be redacted or re, uh, retracted, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, which means they're going to take it away. If you, in layman's terms. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they, um, hopefully they don't, um, because it's a very slippery slope, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine a theater where the lobby looks like the inside of a Disney store? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's all decked out Disney, like... It's uh, just a... Yeah, and so it... it that's, another, that's the big reason that this becomes a worry, because obviously Disney... Among, among others, because people do do this, but Disney's kind of the one that can do this at the moment. Yeah. Uh, they do what's called a block, they, uh, block schedule. Mm-hmm. So basically, at any random theater in the United States or anywhere, really, this theater has 20 theater houses, let's say. So they're, showing, they're capable of showing 20 movies. Disney will block out sections of the year. Mm-hmm. So from April... First through May fifteenth, mm. you can only show dis- this Disney movie or that Disney movie yep. in these ten theaters mm-hmm. for that for that month and a half, two months. I think when um, what's it called, Last Jedi came out, 
they had like for I forgot how many weeks or maybe even over a month they had like exclusive hold on Dolby and IMAX. They did. They had like a chokehold on that. Real and long. I believe that was I believe it was a full month or full two months. I can't remember. It was pretty crazy. Um, but it was like it was long past the release window, and it was mm-hmm. just it was one of those things where. You know, Disney as a company is already so big. We talk about them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, but other companies are capable of getting this big. You know, it's not impossible that uh, Universal could do this. Not, It's not impossible that DC or Warner Brothers specifically could do something like this. You just got to get good. Yeah. <laughs> and having this area to kind of be able to exploit is kind of like a, a big thorn in the side of the industry that's already kind of mm-hmm. limping to the finish, let's say. Yeah, I mean, the theaters already don't make that much off the tickets already. Yeah. Like, it's mostly concession stand stuff that they want you to... That's why everything's like, so high price, guys. And uh, they and that's also um, their memberships and all that. They're, like, rewards programs. Like, that's where the main source of income is coming from. Right. So, it's like... Because they don't make money off movies anymore. Yeah, not, not that much. It's a small percentage of ticket sales um, box office that they get... And then mostly because it's all studio. Yeah, uh, I think Disney takes something like forty yeah. percent, which you gotta you gotta consider. Yeah, oh, that's sixty percent. However, the studio, uh, the theaters have to pay taxes out on that, mm-hmm. and they also have to factor in operating costs. Yeah. So twenty percent of that is already operating costs gone mm-hmm. out the window. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna shed tears for a massive company like AMC. Yeah. But. It is it is concerning for you know theater. smaller theater houses, yeah, and and especially people that would want to open a movie theater. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it, it the barrier of entry is so so high now mm-hmm. for that kind of worry, especially if you're getting rid of film. It's like, all right. we got those fancy adult theaters, or it's like only like oh, that's a right. Bistro. Uh, that's what oh, ours, Cinebistro, yeah, that's right. I remember we went to go, we wanted to go see that Coen Brothers movie, um, A Serious Man, about that Jewish family, and we went to, and I wasn't 21, I wasn't allowed in, even with really? my parents, even with my parents, no kids allowed. Honestly, I would... I, and I wonder, I mean, that would suck, those would disappear if that's the case, you know, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to survive anymore. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that's, that's one area that's... I feel like we we could exploit that. Like that's a that's a not we but you know what I mean. That's a bigger area to be explored because there is a desire for a more not even a more upscale theater experience, mm-hmm. but like a more hmm a more closed off theater experience. Yeah. Like like maybe not above twenty one, but an adult only theater mm-hmm. or you know a, a bring back ushers. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something to kind of improve the theater experience to what yeah. it was before, mm-hmm. we, what we have now. I mean, cell phones are a thing that haven't even really been considered in the modern movie theater yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, are we allowed to post that on Snapchat? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, at this point, we don't know. Yeah. So everybody's just, you know, it's like the Wild West out here now. Mm-hmm. And Disney is just the government. As long as you don't get on their back, they don't really care what you're doing. Between this and the streaming wars, like this is a very interesting time in the entertainment industry right now. Absolutely, like, it's a it's a humongous like we're we're undergoing a great transition right now. Absolutely, things ten years from now are going to be so different. It's going to be insane. I mean, even things ten years ago, yeah, were true. massively different. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it, it I'm not sure if 
I mean, movies are going to be here. They're always going to be here. I think it's depends it's, on the format, but it will yeah, be it's here. one of our one of our prides and joys as a medium. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really evolve. I I showed you a, a meme critical of Disney Plus today, just mm-hmm. the slightest bit, <laughs> and um, it it brought up a point that like if big fanfare and you know comic, not comic book movies specifically but mm. big event movies mm. are, are the future of movies then where does that leave the the art in terms of an evolution like is it allowed to evolve past that point if disney does block out 7 of 10 theaters mm-hmm. with star wars 47 mm. yeah it's well, like yeah smaller stuff can exist but well, I like I mentioned a few episodes back. Uh, AMC, I mean, it'd still be affected, but like, um, well, yeah, well, actually, that is quite the chokehold. Well, I was gonna say like AMC starting the artisan theaters, like where they yeah. only pl- they don't play blockbusters there. Like they'll play like Oscar baity movies. And I mean, things like that do still exist. Yeah. I, I mean, of course they will still. I mean, uh, Tarantino has the new Beverly, which mm-hmm. is out in Los Angeles, which I'd, I'd like to go to one day if we if we ever get the chance. Mm-hmm. When we get the chance. Yeah. <laughs> speak it into existence. Yes. I'm going to go sit on top of the big donut in Los Angeles, just like uh, Iron, Iron Man. Man. I'm going to sit on top of the Ralph's donut. Get drunk and eat Apparently it. a lot of people get in trouble for trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. What do you know? Well, you know what? Challenge accepted. Tony Stark did it. <laughs> Tony Stark also built uh, an Iron Man suit. <laughs> yeah, it's not as easy as it looks. He made it in a cave with scraps, from what I hear. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It, it's it's just something that I, I... And I wish I had the article in front of me so I could really give like names and acronyms and proper stuff. But it's just one of those things that I feel... N- needs to stay in the discussion yeah. when we talk about movies. Because mm-hmm. like, it is kind of like, oh, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, because the way we view them might be very different soon. Just like how every artist is represented by two companies. I'm not going to get into my whole conspiracy about that, but everybody's either CAA or mm-hmm. WME. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't, don't, uh, don't blackball me or anything. You know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying, making a statement. It's mostly those two companies. Hey, sometimes monopolies are good. Yeah. Don't don't kill me, Ayn Rand. I mean, there's good, there's good, um, there's a, there's good aspects to a lot of stuff like that. I yeah, mean, and I think it's, it's almost like a, uh, what they call it, a, a, a poison pill when they call it. It's almost like a sugar pill. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's bad, but at least you get to watch DuckTales again. <laughs> and Gargoyles. Yeah, I get to, I get to relive Gargoyles and never got a movie. <laughs> But I don't know, man. We'll talk about year end soon. I want to see Honey Boy real yeah, bad. That's a definite. I want to see Parasite real bad. Mm. I want to try and see it in theaters if I can. I'm trying to see it tomorrow, maybe. Nice. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But there's a little news for you. A little nugget. Little Mermaid is getting a live action movie. Yeah. Mm. Will mm. Disney ever slow down? Will they ever stop completely? Yeah, Will they movies... ever unfreeze Walt Disney's head and put it on that robot like you wanted? <laughs> I mean, maybe. You'll have to find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> on the next episode <laughs> of Dragon Ball Z. The best cliffhanger ever, Yeah, honestly. Yes, it is. When you heard that voice, not to get off on a Dragon Ball, but when you heard that voice, it was disappointing. You were like, fuck, no! <laughs> no, not yet! What will happen to our heroes? Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, one day we got to talk about how they're digitally resurrecting James Dean, too. Yeah. That probably, they might not go through with that, with the backlash it's beginning. Yeah, man. Chris Evans. uh, Chris Evans went off on Twitter. Yeah. He's usually kind of a cool cat, but he, he went off on him. Yeah. This is downright disrespect, but apparently that's a, a lot of actors are having that written into new contracts on films, mm. uh, or at least with you can companies use, about not reproducing their likeness. After they're dead. Yeah, because it's such a moral, it's such a legal. Well, obviously it's a moral gray ground, mm-hmm. but it's such a legal gray ground where you're, where you're just like, uh, are we allowed to do this? Yeah. I mean, I remember they put Audrey Hepburn in those commercials. Oh yeah. It's like okay. But her sister, okay, or not her sister, but somebody else in the family, the okay, that. Ooh. The uh, imagine, estate. imagine getting famous enough to have an estate. <laughs> that's that's the goal right there. It's like you're not the Hepburn family, the estate. Yeah, don't call my family a family. <laughs> but anyways, uh, that might be it for us in filmcast. Uh, Damien Chazelle landed a new film. Mm. Oh, Damien Chazelle. Mm. Guy makes whiplash and just uh, keeps uh, keeps pumping that jazz well dry, huh? My my biggest um, problem with whiplash is why that kid didn't beat his teacher's ass. Oh, as soon as you slap the shit out of me, it's like, I'm it's done. Sh- it's, oh, no. Yeah, I don't care on. how respected you are. You drumstick going up your ass. That's yeah, all it is. That's what bothered me. It's like, why are you crying and taking it? Like, but <laughs> he has no choice. He wants to be a drummer. I said, don't the man want to be a drummer? <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best drama. <laughs> it's like Werner Herzog narrating. <laughs> oh, the little baby yodel. He's so cute. <laughs> I shed a tear. When I laid my eyes upon it. I shed a tear and then called Charlie's Theron. <laughs> when it entered my gaze. <laughs> <laughs> when, when his little green head entered my gaze. <laughs> Anyways, that's going to be it for us, you guys. You can yeah. email us. Uh, I was going to say, do I have to say the email? But I guess every time might be somebody's first time. So filmcast at gmail. Filmcastmail at gmail.com is the way you can contact us. You can DM us at Filmcast Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, review the show. We talk about Star Wars. You guys, you nerds, <laughs> probably heard all about it. Don't worry, I'm a nerd too. I used to read all those books because I had no friends in middle school. <laughs> so just sit there, just turning pages, reading about Java's Palace. You know, everybody slept in that one big room. Oh, yeah, that's which is really weird. It's just like, all right, on top of the Rancor pit, you just, you all sleep there? Where pe- countless souls have, yeah. like, <laughs> countless souls like, have departed. Like, <laughs> all right. That's where they sleep. But anyways, that's going to be it for us this week. We're getting close to episode 30, which would be cool. There. We're going to get to probably 35 by the end of the year, which mm-hmm. would be nice. Started in March. I mean, go, still going strong. That's right. So thanks for listening. We've been on a streak this week, or lately these weeks, with all our episode uh, uh, views, mm-hmm. listens, I guess you could say. But um, that'll be it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll come back to you next week with a whole another movie. Peace. See ya.